and welcome to The Leadership Guide, the show that takes you from peak performer to legendary leader by helping you unlock your heroic potential to emerge into who you were meant to be. This show is not your typical show on leadership. We have real, raw, unplanned, and unedited conversations with individuals from a wide variety of industries and expertise to get into the reality of what leadership actually looks like in the world not just theories that you read about in books. We leave the conversations unedited because leadership is not about perfection. And because this show is unplanned, you get unique insights and you get to see a side of these individuals that they don't usually share anywhere else. On today's episode, we have a conversation with Corey R. Willis, who went from being a criminal lawyer to a Christian scriptural-based business consultant and discuss how our beneficial talents can have a criminal hustle counterpart. The not-so-secret book that is a textbook, leadership guide, operations manual, and business plan all in one. How there are no business problems that are not spiritual problems first. And how looking at things from a different perspective can completely change our understanding. And we also talk about how all of this relates to leadership. I'm your host, Cody Dakota founder of The Leadership Guide, a member of the Forbes Coaches Council, and finalist for the Extraordinarian Award for coaches with ideas that can change people, businesses, and the world for the better for my ideas on leadership. We are sponsored by KDDM Inc., your one-stop shop for growing your business. If you're an entrepreneur, you'll want to talk with my friend Tony Kaufman, CEO of KDDM Inc., and her team to help you clarify your message, get seen, get heard, and get sales. Because most entrepreneurs, I've been there myself, get stuck in the digital and social media world and don't know how to stop losing money and leads. KDDM Inc. is a world-class digital marketing agency that offers professional video production by TX Filmworks and also offers amazing US-based virtual assistants including phenomenal people like Bailey, who's overseeing video editing. You have Frank, who's a phenomenal videographer, and Todd, who's in charge of training. KDDM Inc. brings the best tools and resources in the industry for entrepreneurs with their done-for-you and done-with-you solutions. Thanks, KDDM Inc., for bringing and helping entrepreneurs reach their heroic potential. If you would like to be a sponsor of The Leadership Guide Show, please go to www.theleadership.guide and fill out the contact us form. We'll get in touch with you shortly. And don't forget, stay tuned to the end of the episode to discover how to join the League of Legendary Leaders, an association of leaders with the goal to raise $100,000 monthly to support nonprofit causes which are currently looking to impact the world and make it better for future generations. Now, onto the show. Hey, Corey, how are you doing today? Hey, Cody, I'm good. How are you? 
I am living life and I am loving life. That that very recently has become a catchphrase of mine when I do these introductions, which I don't know where it exactly came from, but I do love saying that. I love that. I love that. <laughs> awesome. So, so Corey, tell me a little bit about what it is you do and the, the awesome things you're working on in the world. Okay, so I am, uh, first of all, I'm a retired lawyer and a retired business consultant for um, family-owned firms and some real estate firms, but now my heart is leading me to do uh, scriptures-based business consulting for Christian entrepreneurs. So I do, I do basically business consulting, but I use the Bible as a textbook, a leadership guide, an operations manual, a business plan. Um, this is where my heart is leading me now, but it still is business consulting, but I just align it with scripture. Um, which is, I, I think that's really fascinating, especially in today's world, because there is, there is a lot of nonsense going on, both in the business world and the religious world. And I, I'm, a, I'm a diehard Christian myself, so I am 100% into the Christian faith. And unfortunately, there are some bad players in the Christian faith right now, which are giving Christianity as a whole a very bad name. And so I, I personally find it very interesting that you made the, the very conscious decision to go from a more secular worldview to a very specific Christian worldview in your business. What kind of drove you to officially make that decision? So, you know, when you work with enough people and you look at enough business problems and you get inside of enough businesses, you realize that there are no business problems that are not spiritual problems first. So what I was finding is people would bring me in to talk to them about a business problem. And it became very clear to me that this is not a business problem. This is a people problem. This is a relationship problem. This is a values problem. And I found that I was spending so much time working on those things. And then the business problems would solve themselves, right? And I mean, even things like, why is this product cannibalizing this product? Well, when you really look at what the problem is, there's a whole different problem that's creating that problem, right? So what I thought I could do, what if I could pull out that piece, the sort of um, the spiritual issues, the values questions, and sort of deal with those and offer that as a product into the world? Um, and then the business consulting sort of comes in that framework. And I put it out there. The response has been phenomenal. And it also makes me feel really good. But here's the thing that a lot of people don't think about. God is the original empire build, builder, right? So if we look at what he did, what he modeled for us, all the lessons about empire building are right there. And the Bible is full of people who are winning, right? We're trained to view the Bible and relate to the Bible from the perspective of the oppressed, downtrodden person in the story. But in every story, there are all these really successful people, landowners, kings, tribe leaders. I mean, these, these people are really successful people. So if we look at how God directs them and what they're modeling for us, the Bible becomes a great tool, but we're not trained to view it from the perspective of the powerful person. We're trained to view it from the perspective of the weak person. And I flip that on its head. I, I love that idea because because definitely as uh, w within the world of, of Christianity, we do a lot of times talk and, and focus on weakness and humbleness and meekness, right? These, these are huge focuses, but the Bible is really full of really powerful people. Yeah. And, and, and like how often in life do we look at others as weak, 
uh, meek or powerless or look at ourselves in that way. And then we're not able to get to the high levels that we want to because that's how we view ourselves or that's how we view our team, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's pervasive regardless of if you're a Christian or not, right? This is something that's happening in our world is, is we have a lot of focus on weakness. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I think that, I think that's one reason that people are running from the Bible and not even just in business, right? I think, you know, especially the younger generation, these people are running from the Bible in record numbers. It's really, really unfortunate um, because it, we are trained to relate to the weak in the, in the story. But the other reason I think people are running is because they're running from God because of a bad experience that they had with humans in church or in a church created, you know, founded by some humans and they run from God because of that. And that's, that's really unfortunate too. Definitely. So I, I, I help people sort of reconnect those two as well. That, and, and that actually makes me think of, of um, a, a story from someone that I truly super deeply respect within the, the, um, the Christian faith. Um, coming from the Catholic, uh, the Catholic faith specifically. Mm -hmm. I'm not Catholic myself. I went to a Catholic university and I grew up around many different Catholics, but I've never identified myself as a Catholic specifically, right? Because, you know, names and different things and all that jazz. But, um, I, but it was, it was St. Francis of Assisi, very, very popular Catholic figure mm -hmm. from, from the dark ages who, who I learned about, and he gave me an insight, which made me, made me highly respect the Catholic faith in general, mm -hmm. and gave me a better feel and understanding of the, the Christian faith in general. Okay. And, and the, the story goes that he was going with his, his crowd, because he was super popular at that time and people were following him out the wazoo. It was like nuts. <laughs> That's a whole different story. But <laughs> he went to this church and the, the head priest at the church was someone who was very openly having like a concubine, very much doing things that a priest should not be doing, right? Yeah. yeah. And the people who were going to this church were getting ready to basically revolt. They were very much against this priest, right? And they were very much against going to that church because of this priest. And St. Francis of Assisi reframed the whole mindset. He said, no, 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 it's, it's not about the priest. We don't go to the church for that priest. We go to the church for God. And his role within the church is to teach about God and to provide the, the bread and the wine, the, the blood and body of Christ. Mm -hmm. And he is still doing that. He is still human and he's broken and he's doing many things wrong. Sure. Yeah. But he is still upholding the, the thing he is supposed to be doing. And we mm -hmm. can learn from the good things he's doing and, and, understand that the things that aren't going right are because of the human brokenness. Right. And that was an insight he gave me. And it, that was a large part of the reason why I didn't appre appreciate the Catholic side of the faith as much as I could have. 
And when I got that insight from le- reading about his life, um, it, it completely changed how I looked at the Catholic faith in general and how I looked at Christianity in general. And, and the, I mean, part of the whole reason we have so many problems in Christianity, um, we, we were just talking about a mutual uh, friend of ours, Joseph Warren, who runs the podcast Broken Catholic. He mm-hmm. talks about how the problem we have in, in the Christian faith is we're all fighting about these things that don't really matter and we're dividing ourselves, right? And again, this isn't just in in the the Catholic faith or the Christian faith. This is happening all around the world, right? I mean, look at look at a business perspective, right? How often is there silos on teams because they're fighting over these petty little things that aren't that either aren't true or don't actually matter, right? Yeah happens all the time. I've worked at organizations that were like that. And that's a crappy situation to be in. So you, what you're, you're making me think of, so I used to be a law professor as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and there was a case that I taught about a very popular, um, drink smoothie company in California and how they had, and I I don't want to name them, but it's one of the the big two, the sort of fruit juices in a plastic jar. Um, There was a case in California where some people drank a particular batch of this fruit. (laughs) Cough. It's okay. We all have to cough sometimes. Sorry about that. In the middle of my story. No, nothing Um, to apologize for. Cough. It's human. It's human. Okay. So in this, in this particular story, a couple of people drank a particular batch of these juices and they died. And so in the course of the investigation, they were able to figure out exactly when these bottles were produced, who was working the line, etc. And there was a guy working the line and he said, yes, I saw that the juice, I mean, that the fruit was damaged. He said, and I briefly considered stopping the line. He said, but I was afraid for my job because this, this line needs to move at a certain rate every minute. And I can't, um, I didn't want to stop the line and risk losing my job. So he says, yes, I saw that bad fruit go through. And the, the premise of that case is that you have to give people, um, companies are liable if they don't create a line of communication from the workers who are in the field and see the problems all the way up to the top. Yeah. And so this company was found liable that, that they didn't have a system in place where this guy meaningfully felt that he could stop this line to convey this problem um, going up. So I don't remember why I started telling that story because I had that coughing fit in the middle of it. Um, but it, <laughs> I'm sorry. It, 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 it basically, it was something about communication that I, that I wanted to say when I started telling that story. Yeah. Um, just, just the lack of communication causes so many problems in our world, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, w- especially in the business world, we see it all the time, like that situation. And, and your story reminded me of this episode of uh, Undercover Bosses, right? Where, where like the head honcho of the organization goes down into the ground level worker position to see what is it actually like to work at my company. Mm-hmm. And it was, um, it was waste management. Um, and it, it, it's a fascinating episode. I would definitely recommend if, if you're interested in that kind of TV show, I would definitely recommend that episode. He went onto one of the routes of his, um, of the people who go and pick up the trash from house to house to house, right in the big dumpster trucks. And, um, there he would, he was sitting in with a woman, right. And the woman wasn't able to go to the bathroom during 
during the shift, like there wasn't enough time. She mm. actually had to use a cup in, in order to, to pee when she needed to go to the bath. Yeah, exactly. Wow. And wow. He, he didn't know this until he got down there and no one was saying anything because that was just the culture that had, that had been created. Right. Yeah. And, and, because he went down into the ground level position and saw this and was actually becoming a part of this, he, he changed these different policies that created terrible situations. And like in your situation, the, the situation can lead to deaths, literally. Yeah. So, so I, I remembered what I was um, talking about and, and tying it back into this waste management story. Mm -hmm. You were talking about the silos mm -hmm. within businesses and the silos, which I think Joseph Warren talks about within religion, where they don't talk to each other. But in addition to these sort of vertical silos, there are these, um, there are hierarchical uh, boundaries to communication as well. So different departments don't talk to each other. And then even from the bottom to the top, there's, there is this hierarchical friction that, that messages don't get up and down the hierarchy um, the way they should. And you're right. We see that in both business and in religion. And um, yeah, so that, that's where I was going And your, in your point drove home the sort of hierarchy. Like there's, there's a lot of friction to get information from the bottom to the top. Definitely tons and tons of friction. And it's mm -hmm. sad because it literally leads to the downfall of organizations, to the downfall of leaders, to, to the downfall of things that are actually really great when you look at it, right? Like, mm -hmm. like the smoothie company, I'm sure they make wonderful smoothies. A lot of times these smoothies tend to be on the healthier end. So they're probably a, a healthier alternative to whatever else is out there. That's, that's great. Right. Or, or waste management. They come and pick up the trash from our houses. Like that's not a job that I personally want, but I deeply respect the trash man because he is doing something that's really needed in the world yeah. or, or in religion. Right. Like, like no, no matter where you're looking at it, this is a travesty that this is so prevalent in so many areas. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. And I appreciate the work that Joseph is doing. I appreciate the work that you're doing. I, I just appreciate this, this movement of sort of interconnectivity of people sharing ideas and strategies and um, just sort of opening up discussions about things that are really important. So I, I love that. I love Thank you for this platform that no, you're building well, here. Well, yeah. thank you for coming onto this platform and speaking it from your perspective. Because, mm -hmm. because the, the platform is great, right? But what makes the platform more powerful is to hear the different perspectives of the people who are actually in it, who are actually making the changes, who are actually creating the movements, who are actually taking a stand and making real changes in the world. That's what legendary leadership is all about, are the people who are acting in the world. And you're one of those people that are acting in the world from your perspective. So I appreciate you. And you know what, Cody? It is scary as all get out, right? It is scary to have a thing that you believe in that is completely supported by and supportive of your values, to know that you have something that can really help people and to sort of put yourself out there sort of raw and vulnerable and say, this is me. This is my message. This is my thing that I'm birthing into the world. Um, and then you just kind of sit back and wait and see how, see how the world accepts it. And that's, that's scary as all get out. It's so much easier. It's, it's so much terrifying. easier to stay in somebody else's framework and be miserable there. Right. But, but to live and exist in somebody else's framework, 
is so much easier, right? It's, it's so much easier yeah. to stay in somebody else's structure and criticize it than yeah. it is to expose yourself to the world and step out there and say, this is, this is what I got. <laughs> what do y'all think? <laughs> and just yeah. sit back and, and just take the blows and the arrows and all that, you know? Yeah, no, yeah. it's, 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 it's not only terrifying, right? But like it not doing it causes so many problems in the world because yeah. like if you stay in that organization, right. And all you can do is criticize it because you don't align with your values because you, you don't agree with the way things are going because you don't get along with your boss because <laughs> a, a very funny statistic in leadership um, that um, over 50% of people trust a complete stranger more than their own boss. How, like, Is that that's, right? That's, that's terrible, right? Like, like, like to, you go to work 40 hours a week and you spend a significant amount of time with this person and you would trust someone off the street for all you know they're an axe murderer and you trust them more than your boss. Like, that, that's awful, right? And if, if you have all these problems with this organization and you stay in this, right? That, that's what's caused, that's a part of what causes the problems, right? Yeah. I mean, that, that is like dangerous to your psyche. It is harmful to your body, to your physiology. I mean, that, that, I'm, I'm laughing at that statistic, but it's, you're right. It's really bad. I mean, like, that, that's incredible. That's yeah. incredible. I mean, <laughs> I've had some bosses that I would, uh, I would fall into that category. <laughs> exactly. And like, as long as you're there, right, it's damaging to you because you're not happy. You're not being healthy, right? You're probably full of stress and anxiety. And then like, you're not producing the results that the organization's looking for more likely than not. Or if you are happening to produce the results, it's, it's in, a, in a way that's not productive overall usually is, is what we come to find out. And it, it leads to the downfall of the organization as a whole. And so it's, it's a lose-lose situation in that, in, in that scenario. Even though it's easier, no one's really winning. Yeah, I, I, on a serious note, because this, this really is a sort of serious systemic yeah. foundational problem in our economy in general. Um, one of the things that I do in sort of the first tier of my work is helping people get very, very clear on what their God-given gifts are. The problem in workplaces is that you've got so many people who are doing the wrong job for their temperament. They might mm -hmm. be in the right industry, but they're in the wrong function for their God-given gifts. And when you look at what God-given gifts are, it's a much more complicated thing than people think it is, right? People think it's just what am I good at? What are my skills and talents? It's so much more than that, right? Because it's your temperament. It's your mission. It's what you're good at, what you like. I mean, there's, so I created a, a proprietary um, assessment. There's 10 things you need to look at to figure out what you should be doing, where, and in what capacity. The reason people are so unhappy and secretly wanting to kill their bosses and having all these Monday morning heart attacks is because they're doing the wrong thing for their, for their personal temperament, right? They're doing the thing that they were exposed to, right? Part of the problem is that so many people are not exposed to the range of possible careers. I mean, there are people who do everything. If you look out every single thing in front of you, 
was designed by somebody, manufactured by somebody, the packaging was designed by somebody, the, the electronics, and so, I mean, there's such a huge range of things that people do and that people could do. So the first problem is people don't know all the things that they could be doing and all the things that they could apply their gifts to. I mean, it's, it's really, really bad. And, and that's, that I think is the fundamental problem in our economy, that too many people are doing something other than what God put him, put them here to do because they're not taking the time to figure out what that is. And that includes the bosses. The bosses are miserable because they are also working outside of their gift. They're also working in a capacity that doesn't match their temperament. So it's a huge problem. Definitely. And, and not only that, but I, I truly believe that part of the role of the leader is to help those that they lead figure out what they can become, right? And so if they don't know what they can become themselves, right? You can't give what you do not have, right? right? So you can't, even though that's your role to help them figure out where they're supposed to get to, you can't because you haven't figured it out yourself. Right. And, you're, and then you're it's right. the blind leading the blind. Yeah, that's, that's an investment into your workforce. Can you imagine how much more productive and efficient a company would be if everybody in the company was doing the thing that they were called to do and that aligned with their values? I mean, you couldn't stop those people from being productive if they were aligned with their gifts and their values. And, and you're right, top down, it has to be an investment that the company makes in its people to figure out what would be best for you, what would make you happiest and most productive. And then the employee would be happier the employee's manager would certainly be happier and the firm would be more productive, more profitable, and the customers would be happy. Exactly. And it, it, it's kind of like um, when, when you put the gear perfectly in place, all the clockwork works perfectly, right? But it, if that gear is missing a, a leg, right? Or if it's a little bit too small or if it's a little bit too big, everything goes haywire. <laughs> right. Right. And then the, the cuckoo bird is popping out at the wrong time and... <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a problem. <laughs> the 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 um, it's like one o'clock in the morning, and the midnight cuckoo bird is going off. So it goes off like twelve times in the middle of the night, and you're like, "What is this? It's not supposed to do that." Well, listen, Cody, you and I just solved you know all the problems in our economy. So uh, should we wrap Boom. this up? Boom! All right, let's. We're, we're <laughs> going to run for president. You you can be the president because we haven't had a woman president yet. I'll be vice here, here. president and. You know, we'll, we'll solve the, the entire country. No, I'm here, just kidding. Here, here. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, but, but in all seriousness, right? Like, like these are the foundational problems that we're really looking at in the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I am convinced. So, so there's a funny story that I like to tell. Um, when I was a practicing attorney, before I started doing sort of business law stuff and being a business law professor, I did criminal defense work. And there was always this running joke that I would say to my clients, I would say, you know, this, this is not your hustle. Like you are not good at this particular, you know, your chosen crime. You are not good at this particular crime. <laughs> like this is not your, and I, and I, I believe that we all have of a legitimate use of our gifts of our God given gifts. But I also think we have like a criminal counterpart. And I, I don't know if this comes from having spent too many hours with criminals, but we all have like a sort of a criminal, a criminal application of whatever our gift is. And I just remember like talking to certain um, defendants and I'm just like, I'm looking at this guy's rap sheet and I'm like, dude, like, like you are not a retail, a retail thefter, right? You are not good at this. 
<laughs> I theft. I don't know. I'm making that up. But you know, if if someone's got like 250 arrests for retail theft, you're like, come on, dude. Like maybe you should be, you know, pick a different crime. And of course, there's someone right now who's thinking, yeah, but you don't know about the 3,000 that he didn't get called for, and that's possible. <laughs> but, remember- but, but that doesn't necessarily make it right either. And 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 you're totally right. It's 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 kind of like whatever tool you bring into a situation, right? It, the tool is just a tool and it can be used for anything like a hammer, right. Can be used to build buildings or it can be used to murder someone. Right. right. And just depending on how you use the tool, right. Is it's not the tool that's good or bad. It's how you decide to use the tool. So I yeah. definitely think I'm totally in agreement with you that there's, there's ways you can use your tools and some of them are super productive, able to build up. And there are some that are super destructive and tear down. Yeah. So a, a classic example of that is someone who has the gift of gab, which mm-hmm. I think is the most valuable gift in the marketplace for a host of reasons. Right. And it is, it, people who have the gift of gab, they have to wield it responsibly because it can get things for you that you should not have, right? So <laughs> here we go again, right? So for example, right? So someone who has the gift of gab, this is a person who can, with his or her words alone, can galvanize people behind whatever the, it, their their you know movement is, or they can encourage people, they can excite people, they can build movements. But they also can be con artists, right? Every con artist is a nice guy who uses his or her mouth. Um, So that's what you're talking about, the sort of um, that you can use your gifts for good or evil. Um, Mm -hmm. I had had a particular defendant when I did did criminal work, and he was a deaf mute stick-up kid. Okay. And, you know, in order to stick somebody up, you have to be able to tell them what you want, right? Give me your wallet. Give me your, (laughs) so this kid, this guy goes on this, this three block crime spree where he's like trying to carjack someone. And then he's trying to rob a vendor on the street. And he runs up to the first guy who's like a vendor on the street. And he's like, and he's like, you know, wielding this gun. And the guy's like, what do you want? My money, my wallet, my car. What do you want? Cause he can't make out what the kid is saying. So the kid gets frustrated <laughs> and he runs down to the, and then he tries to like carjack some lady and he pulls out his gun and he's like, ur, ur. and the late, because he's a deaf mute. I'm not making fun of deaf mutes, but I'm, it's an example of someone who is existing in the world outside of his gift. Like this is it's, not. It's, it's like trying to use a screwdriver as a hammer. It's just not working. This is not your hustle. So now this guy, right? So this is, this is the guy's day job, right? You know, robbing people running down main street. This is the guy's day job. So at the end of the day, he's very frustrated, right? He didn't make the money he wanted because nobody understood what he wanted them to hand over. And that's how most employees are. You yeah. spend the whole day doing something that's outside of your gift. You're feeling frustrated. You're not productive. You're not getting the results you want. And everybody isn't happy, just like my stick-up kid. At, at the end of three blocks, the guy had no money because people were like, what do you want from me? Like, I can't make out what you're saying, right? So I use that, I mean, I use that jokingly, but that is the story of most employees that yeah. you spend all day not having what it takes for your job. Definitely. It's, it's a huge problem. And, and, and the other side of this problem that I was thinking of as, as you were telling this is sometimes we, we go into different positions or, or try to climb a certain ladder because we put this idealized version at the top of the ladder, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and 
that idealized version may exist, but may not necessarily exist for you. Um, I've got what one of my mentors, John Maxwell, tells this fantastic story where he had a person in his organization who was just unhappy all the time, who, who wasn't doing the work to a good level. And, and John Maxwell, he's always about trying to empower people, right? And he's like, well, if I just figure out what this guy wants, you know, we, we can figure out how he can be happy. Even if it's not within my own organization, I can, you know, I can try and figure out how can I get him to where he wants to be. Yeah. So he sits down with this guy and he's all like, so like where you're at right now, it's, it's just, it's really just not working out, man. So like, I want to help you. And I don't know how that's, that's going to happen, but like, where do you actually want to get to? Right? Like, what would make you happy doing as a job? He's like, you know what would, the, the guy says, you know what would really make me happy? If I was the announcer for the Chicago Cubs, uh, yeah, the Chicago Cubs baseball team. Like, wow. that's what I want to do. Yeah. And, and, and John Maxwell's like, well, they already have an announcer and he's already super popular. You haven't done any work within that hemisphere. So like, like, I understand you would really like to do that, but like, let's, let's bring it into reality. Right. It, or, or like, if you want to put it into a different example, right. If, if I wanted to be the next Michael Jordan, right. I could love basketball and everything about it, but you put me on a court, I'm a white boy. And when they say white boys can't hop, I'm that guy that they're talking about. Right. And, and, and so like, it's, it's just not going to work. Right. Now, if I wanted to impact basketball, right, that doesn't mean I can't impact basketball. That just means I'm not going to impact basketball playing on the court, mm -hmm. right? Unless they want someone to laugh at, then I'll do a great job at that. Mm -hmm. But then the question becomes, where, where do you fit into this bigger picture of it all? Yeah, so, so that makes me think of two things. The first one is a very serious thing, which is a manager, a manager's or a leader's job to develop the talents of the people below them right that's just, that's a significant part of leadership that you're right leaders don't often either have time or they're not rewarded for right the, the structure of the company doesn't reward them for developing younger people um, so that's the first thing it makes me think of the second thing it makes me think of is there's this scripture and there's this belief that a lot of Christians hold which says the scripture says I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me right? Yeah. Through Christ, I can do anything I set my mind to kind of thing. And I say that the answer to that is no. And I'm not challenging the scripture, right? But you can say, I want to play in the NBA. And I don't know how, how tall you are, Cody, but I'm, I'm not tall. I'm, I'm average height for a male. I'm five, eight and a half. Okay. So I'm right at the average height. Right. So short for basketball. It, that's, I mean, like, like to the tune of a foot to a foot and a half too short. Right. So yeah. it, would, it would be foolish for you to say that I can do all things, including beyond the Knicks um, through Christ, which strengthens me. Right. And it is a misapplication of that scripture. Um, God is clearly going to call you to do something else. Right. But, but a lot of people feel like, and, and they'll, they'll, run up against something where every indication is that this is not your hustle. This is not your calling, yeah. but they believe that I can do anything I set my mind to. And, you know, and, and sometimes we just have to say, okay, and it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing that you can't be on the Knicks. It no, just not at all. That, it just means that God is calling you to do something else. Right. Yeah. 
And, and that's fine because the thing he's calling you for is the thing he actually needs you to do. The thing that he equipped you to do is something else. Exactly. And, and I, I definitely 100% agree with that. And it's, it's God, God gives you the power to do the things you need to do, mm-hmm. not necessarily to do everything that could possibly be. That everything that exists in the universe is not open to all of us, right? Yeah. There, there, there's, there's certain things that you just naturally are good at. And there are some things that you're just naturally really bad at. And if you can align yourself with what you're good at and utilize those towards positive ends, the amazing things that are accomplished. Yeah. Yeah. I I wholeheartedly agree with that. So, (laughs) so, so, so let's, let's take this back a little bit. Um, So, so with, with your whole thing, what are some of um, I, and I'm curious about hearing this from your perspective. What are some of the biggest leadership lessons that you obtain from the Bible? Ooh, there's so many good ones. Um, the first one, I always like to start at the story of creation, right? The story of creation is so simple, but it is a treasure trove of business lessons. Um, one business lesson that I pull out of it, and, and I can pull out like five or six, but one of them is this idea of creating something and birthing something into the world that represents you. Okay. So a lot of people relate to the story of, of um, creation from the perspective of Adam. I am created in God's image. I, right. But if you look at it from the perspective of God, God birthed into the world, right? It says that he created Adam in his own image. So what that means is that the thing he birthed into the world, right? Whether that's your business, whether that's your invention, whether that's your service, your product, whatever it is, he, he birthed something in, into the world that was after his own image, meaning that that thing, Adam, represented God. It represented the best of who God was. Now, there's no, so that's what leaders need to understand, that the thing they're birthing into the world needs to be a representation of them and not of what they see in the marketplace, right? Because there's no concept in the Bible for copying. There's no concept in the Bible for copying what the next guy is doing. When God invented the, 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 his little empire, his main invention, the thing that he created represented him, not the competition, not what everybody else is doing, right? And, and right now we're in a time in business where everything is about hacking, right? Hack this person's whatever. Hack. And I think there's a role for sort of doing best practices, right? Observing the best practices in your business, in your industry, and sort of folding them in where it makes sense to make you better. But the thing, your primary thing, your business that you're birthing into the world, it should represent you. It should look like you. It should have your values. It should, you know, sound like you, smell like you. People should know you by your, your creation. Um, so that's one. Another, um, another story is the, the book of Ruth, right? And the book of Ruth is very much about this. Um, it's a story of loyalty between this woman and her daughter-in-law and how they stick together after the, the son has died and they should be separating and they stick together. And the story of Ruth is that she is picking up, you know, scraps of, of wheat from the corner of this rich guy's field, basically. And then at some point he notices her, um, marries her, ends up, you know, creating the line that led to King David and all this kind of stuff. That story, we hear it as a story 
about Ruth and about loyalty and humility and all this kind of stuff. But if you look at that story from the perspective of Boaz, who was the landowner where she was working around the edges of his field, mm -hmm. people forget that Boaz was a very powerful person. He was an employer. In fact, it was his workers that spotted Ruth. And um, what, if you look at it from his perspective as the powerful employer, the landowner, the mogul that he was, and the culture that he created empowered his workers to spot this woman on the side of his land and bring her to the owner. He created that. He created a culture where his employees weren't like, get out of here, lady, get off our, you know, get off our land. We're trying to do something. No, the culture in his workplace was that his employees embraced her and brought her in because they recognized her need. So I think leaders need to recognize the importance of the culture that they're building in their organizations, right? Because your employees, your staff, your assistant, these are like your fingers in the world. And the way they behave is the way you have told them it's okay to behave. The way you have told them it's valued for them to behave. So those are those are two right there that I would say. Definitely. And 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 picking up on that story, because I actually recently read that story um, in my my reading of the Bible. Um, another thing he does is he models really well, right? Because she is this this very lowly woman picking up scraps on on his property and he could very easily let her go on from property to property to property and on these other properties she could be abused right. there's there's no saying that these other landowners are good but he actually stops her and tells her to continue to come to his area because she will not be abused there Right. And so if it like if you want to be safe, continue to come here. Right. Like he, he goes out of his way to directly tell her that. It's yeah. a huge a huge lesson in modeling what leadership should look like. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um and 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 you're right. The story in that is a story of an employer, someone who's building a culture, a story of generosity, but we hear that story, which is why a lot of men don't even relate to the book of Ruth because we hear that story and we're trained to view that story through the eyes of the lowly woman, you know, scavenging around. Um, and, and that's the way the story is told too, is from her perspective. Yeah. And so, so a lot of times when, when we hear a story, we only look at it from the perspective of whoever's telling the story at that moment. Mm -hmm. but, but what happens when we change the perspective of who we listen to? Right. And, and this, this happens all the time in business. I, I remember I was, I, I was at a conference. I was listening to Cy Wakeman tell this story. Um, her, she's really famous for, for no ego. She was telling this story. She went into this organization and, and this person was really upset because there was another department that was hosting an ice cream social party at a, at a specific time. And they did this like every week. Right. And this person was really mad about it. And she's all like, okay, so like, what's going on? Why are you mad about this, right? And, and she was all like, well, this person doesn't like us. They're doing it at this time because they know we can't be there. And it's an ice cream party because they know that I'm lactose intolerant. And it like, like if you listen at, to it, like it's funny, right? Because it, it's like, this person's obviously against them, right? And if you only listen to the story from that one perspective, the other person seems like a really terrible person. 
But Sly Wakeman's kind of been around the ropes a little bit longer. So she's all like, well, have you ever actually ever talked to the other person about this? Right. And they'd never talked about it. Right. Mm -hmm. That person's side of the story had never been heard. Right. And, and so by, by changing the perspective of who you listen to in a story, you can learn something completely different. Yeah. What can be obtained from it can be completely different. I love that. So, so do we know what the other person's uh, side of the story was? I think their side of the story was they were just trying to do like, um, like a, a, a gathering, get people together. Let's do something fun. So it's a community. Right. Mm-hmm. And they just didn't know, right. That th- this team had a hard time getting to the place at that time. And they didn't know who had a, a lactose allergy. Right. And so they're, they're just trying, to, they're trying to do something good right? It, it's not facetious at all. They're just trying to do something for the company. But mm-hmm. because, because there was no communication there, right? And only one side of the story was seen from, from the other person, right? Nothing, nothing got resolved. So one thing that I've noticed in organizations, and I do think this is a failure of leadership, is that Right. So, so where I thought you were going with the story is how something as simple as the timing of an ice cream Sunday party in the workplace can lead to all this strife and conflict oh, yeah. and silos and people, you know, putting down, well, putting yeah. their foot down, um, which is, which is certainly a part of that story. And I have noticed that in workplaces where workers are not empowered or where workers salary is not tied to their efforts or to something that they can control, Instead of working harder to reach, you know, some reward that they value, they get distracted and they fight over little things, right? So I've seen workplaces where because people don't believe that working hard will get me a promotion or will get me more recognition or will get me more money, they don't work hard. Instead, they try to win power in other areas like who can park closest to the entrance, Right. I've seen workplaces torn apart over <laughs> people's assigned parking spots and, and, you know, how your your rank in the company should be reflected by your parking spot in the parking lot. And that's energy that people are choosing not to use to get ahead because the structure is not there for that. Instead, they fight over parking spaces. They fight over um whose department gets first dibs on the conference room, like these little weird little fights that can rip companies apart um, because everyone's fighting to get some advantage or some benefit or some gain in weird little places because they can't get it in the official structure of the organization. Does that make sense? And that, that, makes that to me, sense. it's a failure of leadership, but it's so common. People, people will seek recognition and power and gain wherever they can and what we want to do as leaders is funnel that energy into productive forward moving energy for the employee and for the entire company. Definitely. There, there's actually, I want to say it's a proverb that's around that line where, where the, where the, the, I can't think of the exact wording top of my head, but, but where the, the vision is lacking, everything collapses. Yeah. Two parties are united in vision anything is achievable. That's yeah. the basis of the verse. That's not, I'm not verbatim quoting the Bible. I'm not, my memory is not that wonderful, unfortunately. 
so so this concept is it kind of runs throughout the Bible there and there are a number of cases where we see um, and I don't want to get into this whole thing, but one of the things when God is penalizing a people or he's choosing one group over another group, he will thrust the unfavored group into chaos, right? He will confuse them. He will confound them, right? He will just create chaos and confusion in the group that he's not choosing, right? He will make the army kill itself or he will confuse their language, right? Confusion in the Bible is never a good thing. And that's kind of what you're talking about. When everybody's looking in different directions and there isn't one forward looking motion, that's often a sign that, that God is not blessing a place, right? So, so when you see signs of confusion in your organization, look for, look for why that is because it's, it's never a good thing in the Bible. Yeah. Well, and it's not a good thing in general, period. Right. Like I don't like to be confused. Like if, if I go to a lecture, right. And someone's talking about astrophysics and they're getting into the nitty gritty. Right. And like, I don't understand the physics, what the, you know, I don't understand what gamma means in an equation. Right. Or beta or whatever other, you know, 50 billion things that happen in astrophysics. I'm confused. I don't know what I can do with this information. They're frustrated because that information obviously isn't clicking with me because I'm sitting there like, just in the, in the room, right? Obviously not connecting with the information and, and like nothing gets accomplished. The, the information doesn't get passed on because I don't understand it. And then a bunch of time is wasted, right? It's such a simple thing, but it happens all the time. Yeah. So, so that, is a certain type of confusion. It's not exactly the type that I was talking about, but yes, it can be unproductive, right? If someone is talking and no one in the room understands what they're talking about, that's a, that's a bad thing. But not understanding a topic because you're, you haven't been exposed to it or because it's a little bit you know, in advance of your particular education or learning on the subject. That's one thing. You can be a little bit confused in a lecture. But when I'm talking about sort of like, like enterprise level confusion, right, where you literally look at the actions of one of your managers and you don't, you fundamentally cannot understand why are you behaving this way? Why is the company moving in this direction? Why is this employee do, right, that level of confusion, that sort of systemic enterprise level confusion, it's a problem, which is different than I don't understand the physics in this, this yeah. workshop that I'm attending, right? <laughs> it's a different type of confusion. Yeah. Um, but, but confusion never appears in the Bible as a good thing. And so therefore in life, it's not a good thing. No doubts, no doubts. Yeah. Um, and, and um, uh, oh gosh, it's, it's slipping my mind right now. The, the first story you were talking about, the, the copying, that's right. Mm -hmm. You were talking about copying doesn't exist in the bible like that's not a thing that happens people birth things into creation and they create things in their own image and copying does like it doesn't work when it's copying mm -hmm. it, it reminds me of a, of a, a conversation i had with steven fashion uh in one of my interviews who, who's the founder of zero shoes really fascinating guy mm -hmm. um and and he he in our episode we talked a lot about these biases we have and one of these biases is, is like the winner bias, right? So because they won in this very specific way, right, they must have the key to success. And if I copy them exactly, I should be able to have that same success. And it doesn't work out like that. And more often than not, we end up failing way worse trying to do that. 
Absolutely, absolutely. It is um, because even if you mimic exactly what they did, you can't mimic exactly who they were, exactly who their team was, exactly the time and the environment in which they made that happen. These are all things that, that you can't replicate, right? So what, one of the places that I, that I also see this, and this is, I don't know if this is a leadership question or not, but um, a lot of the gurus that we see now sort of giving their, their strategies and their tactics of how to accomplish things, they did it it worked for them and they're saying if you follow the seven steps that I did then you too can have this result what a lot of them are forgetting and I think that this can be reckless what a lot of them are forgetting is who they were that allowed them to do those things and have that success right so especially when we see gurus selling from the stage right and we're in this sort of internet marketing thing where we're all familiar with with gurus who are selling from the stage oh just just do the four steps that I did and you'll have this success too but those people are again we get back to the gift of gab those people have a one in a million level of charisma they have a level of extroversion um, that another person watching can't imitate I can follow the exact steps that you're talking about, but I don't have the ability to persuade people with my language the way you do. I don't have the huge network of people that you do. And so a lot of people are buying something that they think they can copy, but what you can't copy is who the person was that did the thing originally. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. And, and, that, and that happens a lot in yeah. business so often. And people spend a lot of money following gurus who literally could sell ice to an Eskimo. And then you wonder why you can't mimic it. Well, because God gave you a different set of skills, right? So who you should be mimicking is someone who is really more like you on a personality and temperament level than, you know, the guy with the gift of gab and the extroversion and the, and the, the personal network of friends and I don't know. I, I mean, I could go on about that, but it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's irresponsible for them not to address that in their, in their, in their method. Right. So step one really should be have my personality and my network and then do my seven steps. <laughs> and, and do exactly what I was doing at this time, five years ago. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like like yeah. um, thinking on that Stephen fashion interview, one of the things he said was um, if, if you were trying to open up a Middle Eastern travel company on September 12th, you were screwed. Right. Period. <laughs> right. But if you, if you were trying to open up a, a duct taping construction company, something to that effect, then you couldn't stop the business from coming. Right. right? <laughs> and it's like, like something completely out of your control could literally change everything. Right. Right. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally get that. And, and, but I think that, I think the market is, is getting wiser. I think people are starting um, to see that, that they've got to be a lot more skeptical about what they're buying. They've got to be wiser with their dollars. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, because everyone and their grandmother has a uh, five steps to do this thing, right. you know, right. it, it's so like, and and it's it's not even just paid programs at this point. There, I mean, I mean, how many articles a day 
do you see where it's all like the three steps to to lose your weight or the the five steps to grow your entrepreneurial business or the the, the three perfect things to do for perfect communication like it's everywhere yeah that that reminds me i saw something um recently and they were interviewing this woman who was kind of a a little bit of an influencer in the health and wellness space and they're interviewing her and she says, well, you know what? She says, I just love vegetables. I really do. You know, I've never really been into like, you know, processed foods and, and I'm thinking, are, are, are people buying this? Because most people have a weight issue because they do like processed foods. So listening to someone who says, I just don't have a taste for those foods, right? Is, is, is a waste. So I, I, I was just, I was just blown away that, that, you know, she has an audience and she is a person who does not naturally like those foods. So of course she's going to have, you know, a, a low body weight. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's like a, it, it's almost like a, a, I would say like an unfair advantage, right? Like mm -hmm. when, when you struggle to not eat processed food, like it's something you really enjoy. It's very difficult to listen to someone who's just all like, Oh yeah, no, I never do that. And and they don't understand the battle you have to fight every day. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I mean, it's, it, it, to me, it borders on, I'm not going to say recklessness. That's, that's the word that I use recklessness for, for that particular influencer. And I think if I said her name, people would recognize it, but that particular influencer for her not to recognize that she can't even relate to the struggles that, you know, 90% of her audience is going to have and yet still sell them her method is to me is a little bit reckless, but I, I would agree. I think that's very reckless. I, I think you have to know the pros and cons of whatever you throw out into the world, you yeah. know, be, because w whatever you do put out into the world, that is for it, it in a way you're being a leader with whatever information you're putting out there. And yeah. so if, if you're reckless with what you're saying and not giving the full details, right you you are being reckless right like like for me something that i've recently been focusing on is health which is funny that we're talking about this now um and i've been trying to work on getting better health right i've been pretty athletic most of my life but my health it, within nutrition has been awful mm -hmm. we're talking really 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 bad we're talking I, I used to drink a ton of soda and we're, we're talking um, like, like a, a regular size drink you would get at a restaurant. I would go between eight and 12 of those during meals. And then I would go out somewhere eat, to eat later that day and get a large drink there and go through two of those. And if the night was really bad, I would have a two liter soda on top of all of that. Like that was my health. <laughs> And Co Cody, like, me too. Me too. Like, like <laughs> you're you're telling my life story right there. Like, good with the with the soda. But yeah. Oh yeah. And, and and so like so recently, I've been working on making my health better. So like I'm I'm transitioning from soda to black tea to green tea, right? That's like one of the things I'm trying to get more vegetables and fruits into my diet, right? And I'm I'm getting good results with everything that's going on. Um, and, and I'm part of this um, organization where health is one of the things we talk about. And so I'm, I'm talking about some of the results I'm getting in the work I'm doing. And one of the people was all like, hey, like, what are you doing in the nutrition realm around this? And like, the first thing I can think of is like, 
this is what I'm doing, but you may not want to emulate me because I'm not really good at nutrition. <laughs> right? Like, so I'll, I'll tell you, but it may not actually be good advice. <laughs> like I'm always, I'm always really conscious about doing that, but so many people aren't. They're just, they just throw it out there. Yeah, so I, I, act, I think that's such a great point. I actually just did a Facebook Live about this. We are in a culture where people think that they can do something one time and then start a business teaching other people how to do it. And, you know, <laughs> uh -huh. like, like I'm, I'm not going to name any software brands, but there are people who are learning how to do something and then simultaneously opening up an agency to teach other, to do the thing for other people while they're learning. And... I love that hustle. I love that speed of implementation. There's a place for that. But people are not developing mastery anymore, right? There, there is a, a movement against, and I don't, I don't know where you stand on this, but there is a movement against education, experience, mastery, right? People, like, people are looking down on these things, right? When you hire someone, to do a job for you, you want to hire someone who this is their bread and butter. This is, they've seen every iteration of every problem that can come up in this area. But what we're seeing now is people, you know, starting these online businesses, offering services that they don't even know how to do themselves. And it's right. So that's like, that's like someone coming to you and saying, Hey, Cody, you know, you managed to lose 15 pounds. Why don't you start a business coaching people? I mean, it, it just, so, so I always say, the thing you should be doing, the thing you should be teaching, the business you should be building is around the thing that you do well on any given day, right? The, the, and, and people will pay you a lot of money to, to teach them how to do something that you, that you take for granted. I mean, that, that is, it, I, don't, I don't understand this. You know, it, it's just, there, there's like an anti-mastery, anti-education feel it, that we're living in right now and it's very very bizarre i and like I, i'm just playing around with the idea in my mind and i i think there there's some validity with what they're thinking but mm -hmm. i think i think it's one of those things where when you take anything too far it's just as reckless right i i think part of the reason that whole mindset came up is because we had this quite a few generations where the only pathway to success was to go to college, to get the master's degree, to get the doctorate's degree, to put, you know, to go into a corporation for 20 years and rise up through the ranks to get to the top. Like that was the only way to get there. Yeah. And like, like in today's world that doesn't happen because businesses die too quickly for that to happen. Right. You, you go to an organization and two years later it's sold and everyone's kicked out of the company. Right. right? And like you don't have time to rise up. And, and so like people are trying to figure out, well, how do I rise up if I'm not able to follow this path? Right. Or, or like, OK, I've got the doctorate's degree, but I focus so much time on getting the doctorate's degree. I have no real experience in the industry. So mm -hmm. all I can get is the introductory job. Right. And that's not fair that I spent, you know, tens of hundreds of thousands of dollars to get this really high degree. And now all I can get is an introductory job. And so people right. are trying to figure out, well, like, like, how do I actually have success in this world where like things are dying too quickly for me to rise naturally through the organization? My degree means nothing. Right. And, and they're they're confused and they're they're just kind of trying things. Right. And and 
where, where it becomes a problem is that we, we try to call ourselves a, a master, right? And, and I think part of this is the concept of master, right? Like what does master mean? And so often we, we try to make the master someone who's perfect, right? And that's not true. The, the master is someone who has experience and knowledge and has been working in that information for a long period of time. And, and that is not perfection, right? And, and I, I have a huge background in the martial arts world. So if you ask anyone who's considered a master in the martial arts world, one of the first things they tell you is that they're still a student. Right. right? And, right. and some of them, like they're, they're considered masters in what they do, but they won't let you call them master, right? Right. Or, or, or teacher or anything like that. Like they refuse to be called that. And they're like, no, 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 no. You're going to call me by my first name. Like I, I've, I've had this, I've had people in the martial arts world do that to me. They're like, no, stop calling me Sifu. Like that. No, just, just call me my name. That's it. Yeah. It, it's okay. Don't, don't try and call me that. It like, because they don't see themselves as that master. Right. Because they, we, we've attached mastery and perfection. Like they're kind of the same thing and they're not right. right. Mm -hmm. And Perfection is not attainable, which is why people who are in that quote unquote master role don't consider themselves masters because they, they're not that perfect self yet. Right. Yeah. But then the, the next problem, right, is when you associate mastery with perfection, right? You, you say, okay, well, I'm not going to become a master, which means that I can do whatever, whenever I want, right? As long as I have the introductory information i can just go and run with it right it's it's the other end and it's it's just as destructive because you don't have it tested and tried and true yeah i i think what you're what you're describing i i agree with you on both fronts and i think what you're describing is that there is a sweet spot right where exactly. too many people are running and hanging a shingle when they have no experience they have no no training they're reading in a book what they're selling you um but then on the, on the far end, right, the closer you get to perfection, the farther away you realize perfection really is. Right? Yeah. <laughs> that, you know, it's, it's like, you know, like as you approach the limit that is perfection, you realize that you'll never get there. But I, I do think that there's a sweet spot. I think that there is a cheapening of um, skill set. I think that there is a cheapening of craft right this this idea of mastering your craft or working towards mastery like constant learning constant moving forward it's people people are starting to not value that anymore it, it's it's really um it, it boggles the mind but there, yeah you're right there is a sweet spot right you don't have to wait until you're perfect to start offering your service but good lord can you at least have done it a couple times yeah exactly it's like and, and, and I, I've worked with, with business owners who are like this, or, or introductory business owners, right? The, the starting entrepreneurs, right? Mm -hmm. and, and they are learning certain aspects of what they do as they're creating it, right? Mm -hmm. and, and one of the things I talk to them a lot about is, okay, whatever services you're offering, make sure you do those really, really well, right? Mm -hmm. Now, if you want to offer these other things that are nice add-ons, but you're not a master of it yet, or you're not really good at it yet, or you're, you're not completely certain about it, 
you can offer it, but do it at like a super discounted rate and create the right expectation with it, right? Yeah. Like you talk to the customer and say, hey, there's this new thing that's in existence. I really want to try it out because I think it would benefit you a lot, but we haven't really tested it yet. And so I'd like to work with you for a super discounted rate so that we can get this implemented in your business. And it, it may go a little haywire, but we're going to make sure it works and we're going to continue to work on it until it does work. And then that way, right, they ha the, the customer has the right expectation of what's going on and you get the experience. And after you've done it a few times, now you know how it does work. You can implement it in anything and you can do a regular offering in everything you do. Plus you're creating goodwill with your customer when you do that. Yeah. So I think you're, you're totally right. Manage the expectations, be honest and upfront, which, which a lot of people right now are not doing that. Right. Um, there is, I, I notice in different Facebook groups and things that I'm in, there is pressure not to come across as not knowing something, right? There's, there's pressure not to ask the dumb question. You know, everybody wants to, to seem to be an expert right now, but the, the, the thing I love that you said is about managing expectations because you'd be surprised. I mean, if you are honest with people and you just say, listen, I don't know what I'm doing, but I, I think I might be able to work something out. People will say, okay, let's give it a shot when you don't. Right. So there's this, there's this concept in the legal profession when it comes to like malpractice lawsuits and things like mm -hmm. that. And the, the concept is the number one thing that you can do to make a, a client sue you or file a formal complaint against you is to not be open and upfront with the, with the client, right? So mm -hmm. you can really mess up a client's case, but if you're, if you're honest about it, if you're receptive, if you answer their calls when they call to complain, they will not report you, they will not sue you, they will not do anything. Or you can make a little tiny mistake or not even actually make a mistake. And if you are not maintaining open lines of communication with clients, they will report you and sue you so fast because that's, and, and so, the, so the premise is that all it takes is open and honest communication and they, people are very, very forgiving. But the minute you don't return their calls, even if you didn't really make a mistake, they just perceive that there's a problem. The minute you don't, keep the lines of communication open that's when they see you that's when they they go after you for malpractice and stuff definitely and 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 i mean that that's a, the dire consequences in the legal profession but how often do we see it in a business where they they have this service right and the for they they you know they give this nice really beautiful picture of what it's supposed to be able to do right and then you try to use it and it doesn't work the way that you thought it was going to work and then you try and contact the support line and you're waiting hours and the person's really confusing and nothing gets resolved, right? What happens? You never use the product again. You, yeah. you never refer anyone to use the product and you just have a really bad reputation with that company. And then if the person really dislikes it, they're going to leave terrible reviews everywhere they can. Mm -hmm. And th and this is you're you're getting at exactly the point that I that I'm thinking that just because you can find someone in the Philippines to create a beautiful landing page for you or a beautiful website for you to start some business doesn't mean that you should be in that business because you're right some people can so easily throw together a facade and they can't deliver on the product they don't know what they're doing um they're they're hacking somebody else's that you know it's they're they're one chapter in the book ahead of the student and it's it's 
it's it's a dangerous time. It is so easy to appear in the marketplace now, like you are really, really good at something that you may not be good at. You may not have been called to do this thing, and it's going to lead to it's it's going to lead to catastrophic results. But that's exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, yeah. I've been on some people's websites. I mean, and they look like like a, a Fortune 500 company's website. You're like, whoa. They've got all kinds of testimonials that they took some course about how to get testimonials, you know, from nothing. Yeah. Um, and you're like, wow, this is, you know, this is, and then there's, there's nothing there, you know? Definitely. And it, it, actually we, we have a mutual friend, Steve Olsher, and one of, one of the yeah. lines that I think is priceless that he says um, is that to, to a second grader, a fifth grader is a God, right? right? That's the quote. And and there, there's, there's a slight difference here, right? Because a lot of people take that quote and they're like, okay, I just barely have to know more than the other person in order to lead, right? And e even in that scenario, right, there's still a few grades above. So it's not just one step ahead. It's a few steps ahead, right? Mm -hmm. And we all know that the fifth grader is not, you know, the, the PhD, right? Like, we all know that. Right. But but like even that person that's a few steps ahead, but solid in the few steps ahead. Right. It's not like the fifth grader who can't read very well. It's mm -hmm. the fifth grader who's doing well. <laughs> right. Who's, who's doing seventh grade work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like that's the person that we're looking up to. Yeah. Right. And so that's the person you need to become is someone that's not not doing really crappy work. Right. But doing good work. It doesn't have to be the best work, right? Especially if you create that expectation like, hey, I'm not a Fortune 500 company, right? I'm not going to, I can't, I don't have the resources to produce the Fortune 500 companies stuff, but I can still make awesome stuff that'll fit perfectly for what you're looking for, right? I, I think, I think the other thing that you have to add to you know, throwing up a website is that business is business, right? And there are, it, you have to know how to run a business that, and, and I, I feel like when, when people rush into something, they're, they're not, and we're living in a culture of people not having respect for what it takes to build a business, not having respect for what it takes to really become a craftsman in your space, right? We are, we are losing respect for, um, the years of apprenticing, the years of paying your dues, right? And I know that the internet has sort of done away with some of that, but, you know, business is as is, is old as time, right? People have been trading and bartering in, in marketplaces and there's there's a craft to it, right? There's a there's a history, there's a longevity. I feel like, I, I don't know, I, I, I might feel like I'm being like the old auntie talking to the young ones, you know, <laughs> sitting around my feet, but there there has to be a respect for the development of craft. But here's the thing, here's the thing. You talked earlier about sort of competitive advantages and when we take the time to figure out the craft that we're supposed to pursue and offer into the world, we are given competitive advantages in that space, right? God has an idea that he wants Cody to birth into the world, that he wants Corey to birth into the world, and he has already given you, Cody, the competitive advantage to birth that thing. He's given me the competitive advantage to birth my thing. So I don't need to try to copy 
what the next guy is doing, right? Because again, there's no concept in the Bible of, co of copying. I don't need to, to start an agency doing what the next person is doing if God has not given me an advantage there, right? And, but the beautiful thing is that we can all start something. We can all build something and master some craft or work towards mastery if we take the time to figure out what did God call us to do here? Which is a Definitely. different question than how can I make money the fastest? Yeah, it's and it's a, it's a dramatically different question because if if you want to make money tomorrow, right? Go sign up for Uber, right? <laughs> like 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 seriously, opportunity is unprecedented in today's world, right? If if you want to make money tomorrow, you can. But if you want to make an impact in the world in what you're doing, if you want a successful business, if you want to be a real major leader, right? You're not going to do that in a day, right? right. It, it, people who are driving for Uber, I, God bless their souls. And, you know, they, they've really helped me when I've been in a pinch a few times, right? Yeah. But most of them are not creating the, the type of change in the world that is possible so, from that. So, and, and here's the thing about this, right? There, there is... Because people often say, if everybody is supposed to be doing this beautiful thing that God has called them to do, well, who's going to be waiting tables? Who's going to be driving Uber? Who's going to be doing all these things? First of all, there is, there is tremendous value in those things. Definitely, right? we've all had our days brightened by a friendly waitress, by a you know a friendly Uber driver, or you know whatever it is. But there's also this concept that I want to talk about um, about seasonality right? Uh -huh. Everything that uh, we do in life, there's yes. a season for it. So mm -hmm. sometimes it is your season to pay dues, to be learning. And sometimes it's your season to be creating and moving and impacting and changing. And then sometimes that season will end for a while and you'll cycle through another season. And there's a cyclicality of it, right? So if you're driving Uber or you're being a waitress, that's what you're doing in that season. And then when the season changes, you'll be doing something else. And if we, if we respect seasons, right, if we, if we respect calling, if we respect craft, then we can all succeed in business. If we respect the fact that, that God is calling us to do a thing and we take the time to figure out what that is, I mean, things would be so much better. The frustration would go down, right? Respecting seasons, respecting craft, respecting the calling. Those are the things that I think can make us all successful and happy in our, in our pursuits. Yeah. And, and I love that concept of seasonality, right? Because, because that, that, is, that is a huge thing with how many of these introductory jobs were originally intended to be, yeah. right? Like, like your, your, your drive-through workers, those were really intended for people who were like in high school or in college just starting yeah. so that yeah. they had something to be able to get money, right? And learn it, valuable skills and, and learn, learn very valuable, valuable skills. skills. Exactly. Yeah. Like that's yeah. what these, these things were designed for. They weren't designed to, you know, pay for your, your mansion, right? That, that's right. not what they're designed for, right? If you want a mansion, you got to figure out something else and you have to become that person. But it starts right then, right? Mm -hmm. Picking up the skills and figuring out how do I learn about the things I want to be doing and becoming a better version of me so that I'm able to become that person. And sure, I'm, I'm working at Mickey D's right now, right? But that doesn't mean I'm working at Mickey D's for the rest of my life. And there, right. there's so many people who started off in those positions. Yeah. That's where they got their start. And that's another example of how important it is for managers and bosses to develop 
the 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 careers of younger people, right? Because those are really, I think McDonald's, they've, they've started calling themselves like America's best first job or something like that. But it, it is a, it is a training ground. It is a grooming place. So you've got to develop your work, your workforce and turn them into better human beings, better workers, better creators, you know, whether they stay with you, like you said, with the John Maxwell story, or whether you're training them to go out into the world and be great, right? So, so training your, your underlings is hugely important and developing them is hugely important. Oh yeah, definitely. And, and helping them through that season that they're with you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And there's this, there's this concept of poo pooing things that don't, that don't last forever. Right. Well, they couldn't have been a good friend because we're no longer friends. And that is so misguided, right there. They say that, um, people, situations, things come into your life for a season, a reason, or a lifetime. And just because something was only in your life or something was only your situation for a season or a reason doesn't mean it wasn't valid, right? Just because a friend, you were only friends with this person for eight years and then you went your separate ways or you lost touch with them, it doesn't mean that they were never really a friend, it means that they serve their purpose for the season that they were intended to be there. That could be the most important friend you've ever had in your life because whatever happened in those eight years or that business partner that you had for five years and then you went your separate ways, it doesn't mean that that relationship wasn't valid or worthwhile. It totally Definitely. could have been for what it was supposed to do in your life and in your trajectory. Um, Definitely. And, and I would even go so far as to say as, maybe they were a bad friend or maybe they were a bad business partner and they shouldn't have been with you on the journey for where you're going. Right. Right. And then, right. There's yeah. a valuable, super valuable lesson to take away from that. I've had relationships with people that are like that mm -hmm. where, where I was friends with these people, I dated these people and it ended terribly. Right. And I'm not saying they're terrible people. They, what happened was terrible in the situation as a whole, right? But that doesn't make them terrible people. That doesn't make me terrible people. That just means that we had our season together and we learned something from each other that this just isn't the way it should be. And we've gone off now to do, you know, whatever different things. And I know at least from my perspective, I'm a lot better of a person having gone through the terrible things but I wouldn't be where I am if I hadn't have gone through those. Yeah, those are the people who come into your life for a reason. Exactly. To teach you X, Y, or Z, right? And, and sometimes it's someone or something, a situation, a job, a person, a relationship, a partner, um, a cycle in your business, you'll go through that just to teach you one lesson. And as soon as you get the lesson, I always say that, that God is merciful, right? He will not keep you in a situation any longer then you need to be in that situation to get what he was trying to tell you. Once you get it, he'll move you past that thing so fast. The only, the only reason people stay stuck in things forever is because they're refusing to get what they're supposed to get. But once you get it, God will move. He's merciful. He will move you past that situation so fast. So the, what you're describing, that was the reason. The reason was you needed to learn this about yourself, this about other people, this about the world. Once you learn it, you're done. And that's it. Yeah. And it was valuable. It, it was valuable. It was super valuable. And the great thing is once I did learn it, 
things changed really quickly for That's the better. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. As soon as you get it, you're moving on. Like, 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 you know, it's, it's amazing how that happens. Yeah. And it, I mean, like, like it's, it, uh, and sometimes this ties to the, to the uh, new car effect, right? Like when you decide this is the new car I'm going to buy, right? All of a sudden you see that new car everywhere. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I once, I once bought a hoopty and I saw that hoopty everywhere and I thought, oh my God. <laughs> exactly, right? And, 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 and this, this works in every phase of life. Like if you're in a bad situation, right, everything you look at is going to seem bad. And if you're in a great situation, right, everything around is going to look great. If you're open to opportunities, guess what? Opportunities are going to follow. Yeah. If, if you're looking to create a culture, right, ideas for how to create that culture are going to come. Mm -hmm. I love that. And, that, and that's, that's absolutely right. Yeah. Once, once you, um, so that's, that's a positive and a negative thing, right? It's a beautiful thing that, that you see whatever your mindset is going into a situation. If, um, you know, if, if your mindset is good, everything, everything around you is good. But if you've already made a, a negative conclusion in your mind, everything you see will just keep confirming for you. Keep conf Oh, this, I knew that person was like that. Oh, I knew nobody liked me. Or oh, I knew the, you know, this group of people can't be trusted. I knew that. Um, it's, it's amazing how that happens. You're totally right. Yeah. And, and I mean, you've come from the legal per profession. So, so I'm sure you've seen a lot of that happen, especially if, if you worked in, in criminal defense and in that area i'm sure you've seen a ton of that a, a ton of what people like like that mindset where they see something because that's where their mindset is right now even though it's not necessarily true um yes and i say that also about other people so so a couple things um i do believe that police, so first of all, I was defense counsel, right? So, so defense counsel, they say, you know, we're so Pollyanna, we believe anything. Oh, you didn't do it? Great, I believe you, right? <laughs> you know, even though you've got blood dripping from your hands and, you know, knife was in your backpack and, um, right? So that's what they say about defense counsel. We're, we're Pollyanna, we, we believe anything. <laughs> but, but I will say that police people, and I love, I love police officers, I love the work that they do, but they see crime everywhere they go go and I've dated some police officers and some detectives and you know in my youth and I'm telling you everything you know they see <laughs> I mean they they are suspicious of everything and they see yeah. crime everywhere they go because of what they're training in but here's an, here's another example of where this has been uh, proven and it's dangerous that um, arson investigators always find arson right even when we know that later it comes out that there was no arson they are they are like, they just always see arson. Like they're, they always default to arson. You have to convince them that it's not arson, right? They go in expecting to find arson and as a result, they find it. So what we know now is that things that we knew about fire and fire treatment before that we believed is true, we know now that they're not true. And yet people always found arson. So, so it, can, it can be good and it can be bad, right? The, the biases that you have going into something. Same thing with shaken baby syndrome. And, and, and this is the lawyer and me talking as we've studied this, that there was a time where experts always found shaken, shaken baby syndrome. You know, they were convicting people, babysitters and women for shaking their babies to death. And we now know that that science is bunk science. 
So. She should, it's, uh, it's interesting. It can be infuriating and enlightening all at the same time when, when you discover these things, right? Absolutely. But, I, and I, I think that we have to, um, one of the things that I, I always said after working with police and I, you know, I don't know how many police are going to be in your audience, but I always said that if I were, um, you know, the, in charge of the police, I would put one team on proving that this guy did it. And I would put another team on proving that he didn't do it. And I would equally incentivize them both to prove their side as hard as they can versus everybody working to prove that this guy did do it, right? You need somebody who's equally incentivized to, to prove and bring forward all of the evidence that this guy did not do it. And sometimes that's missing. How did we start talking about the police? This <laughs> I, I don't know. It beats me. But, but I like where it's going. It's, it's really fascinating. It, it's this idea that you see your bias leads you to see what may or may not be, whatever you see confirms. It's like confirmation bias. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, but like, but like this happens in businesses and organizations too, right? Like something doesn't happen the right way. And the leader looks down and say, okay, who do I point the finger at? Whose fault is this? Right. And, and like, they're going to find somebody at fault because that's what they're looking for. Right. And it's, it's also the other place that you see it is making decisions, rigid decisions, that this is how our marketplace functions. This mm-hmm. is what c- customers in our market value. This is the role that our company plays in the marketplace. And you hold rigidly to those things, even though there's indication all around you that the landscape in your market is changing, right? And we all know the stories of the companies that failed to change. They failed to, to read the writing on the wall, as it were, um, and they held yeah. on to these notions of who they were and who their customers were and what the market was to their own demise. So we have to constantly work that into our sort of annual or quarterly business analysis, like a fresh start analysis of the industry, the company, our strengths, our competitive advantages, our threats are, you know, on a regular basis reassess. Definitely. And, and it makes me think of like, how often do we bring someone new into an organization and they have these ideas of where things can go. And then the, the leadership there's like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's not how we do things here. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like that happens a lot, mm-hmm. right? And I think one of the most valuable things that a team can do is bring in fresh blood that hasn't been tainted with the, the perspectives we currently have. And, and I say that in all kindness, not to say that every perspective is bad that you currently have, but that there is a certain flavor that's going on with it and flavors can be great, but they can also be terrible. Like if you leave a tea bag in, in your tea for too long, it starts to get really bad tasting. It's it tangy, little tangy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, but, but like that happens a lot in business. And, and if, if you want that tea to not taste so terrible, you need to throw some water in there to even it out, you know? Yeah. And so, so, like there's so much value in bringing in fresh blood and getting their perspective before it gets tainted with whatever we have currently. Um, I feel like we don't utilize it enough in in anything. So, so one of the things that 
that I do in my work. And people pay me a lot of money to do this because they realize how important it is, right? When you talk about finding your God-given gifts for a person, that's the same thing as finding your competitive advantages if you're a firm, right? And if you really understand how God-given gifts work and how competitive advantages work, you realize that they are constantly changing, right? So Cody, when you think about what your gifts were, as a 12 year old and what your purpose was when you were 12, it's very different from Extremely what you're extremely different from right. what I'm doing now <laughs> from when you're 22, they change and you have to have an ongoing process because here's the thing. And remember I, I said earlier that you have to look at a lot of things when you're thinking about your gift. And when I talk about your gift is what am I supposed to be doing right now in the world? Right? Right now is a critical part of that. What am I supposed to be doing right now in the world? It is a combination of many things. One of the things, right, I told you I have this 10-part this ten framework that I created. One of the things is what opportunities are you being presented with right now? Because the opportunities that person A or company A is being presented with are very different from those that person B or company B is being pre presented with, right? As you and I sit here talking to each other, Cody, you're presented with different opportunities and I'm presented with different opportunities, right? So that has to be factored into the decision of what am I doing now? So when you look at a company, when you look at your business, you have to factor all of that in and say, what are we supposed to be doing this quarter? What is our competitive advantage? What is our gift? What is our calling right now? And a year later, reassess the same thing because it will have changed. And and if people don't understand that there's a seasonality to this stuff, they can miss it. They can get stuck. They can get stagnant. And that's, it's a huge blind spot when people do that. Definitely. And companies rise up from out of nowhere or from near destruction when they, when they make those adaptations to what's going on and understand how their strengths can be better utilized within the way the marketplace is now going. Like, and I mean... What I was, I was going to say one of the most famous examples of this is Apple, right? Their, their original marketplace was the computer market, and they were doing awful in it. They almost went out of business that they were doing so bad, right? But then they made a transition into the MP3 market, mm -hmm. and they took off. Yep. Like, that's out of hell. Like, it was astronomical success, but then they didn't stay in the MP3 market. They changed into the iPhone market right? The smartphone market. And again, that's where they, they've led into the success they have today. And I don't, I, I personally don't love Apple. I'm actually not an Apple fan myself, but the story holds truths to it. And I, I actually see that Apple may be having trouble right now because they haven't had anything really change for a number of years. It's kind of been the same iterations of the same old thing. And so I'm curious to see what's going to happen here in the future with Apple, because I'm not convinced that they're the all-powerful company that some people make them out to be. So I have always said about Apple that I don't think that Apple's strength is its products, right? Because we know that basically they just made sort of iterative improvements on things that came before them. What I think Apple was genius at was creating this idea of I'm an 
Apple type person. And you may not be old enough to remember this, but when Apple was first taking off, there was this like mystique that if you were cool and hip and mm-hmm. on the edge, right? It was a brand. I remember play. the commercials. Yeah. Okay. It, yeah. It was a branding play. It was not a product play. It was a, you know, an us versus them. Like, you know, yeah. we're in this elite group of people who, who get it, right? We get it. We get yeah. how creative and, and on, on the edge you can be with Apple. Hi, products. I'm a Mac. Hi, I'm a PC. Right. <laughs> and all the exactly. fun stuff that went with that. Exactly, right? And I've always been a PC person. And so Apple did a great job of making us out to be just these sort of staid, boring, riskless people while they were sort of hip and all that kind of stuff. And they've, they've done that brilliantly. Where I think they have gone wrong with that, right, is now they're turning themselves into a product company. But they made their brand so accessible that even your grandmother now has an Apple. Whereas before, only young, clever, creative, hip people had apples. Now everybody yeah. has an apple, right? So now they're as stayed to me as PCs are. You know, I could be biased and just, you know, but, but now they, they're so accessible that that brand mystique has gone away. And now they really are a product company. I, I, I could 100% agree with that assessment uh, myself. And I've never really been a major Apple fan. I did have the the I you know the the I the first touch uh, MP3 that came out. I can't even think of what it's called anymore. Sheesh. The, the iPod, not the iPod. The, the iPod the, Touch. Yes, it was iPod, the iPod Touch. touch. Yeah, that, that little. Yeah. Sheesh. I can't believe I forgot that. <laughs> Anyways, I that was that's the only Apple device I ever owned, and I wasn't completely sold on it. And yeah. and. It was it was extremely innovative at the time, and it it did have that hip mystique thing going for it, but that they don't hold that true anymore. You're totally right. Everyone's got an Apple. It's it's super easy and accessible, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's actually part of the reason I don't like it is because it's I feel like I can't do enough with it, right? Because it's very strict in how you can use it things have to show up in a certain way and it it doesn't do it like that you can't do it on an apple and i'm like i'm not interested in that because i like to do all sorts of crazy nonsense mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i i've never gotten into um apple either i i didn't understand the pricing i remember when i bought my first ipod i think it was 14 dollars and 99 cents and it was hot pink and i think i bought it at like Kmart or maybe Bed, maybe uh, Best Buy. I don't remember, but I remember being proud of myself that it was not an iPod. And it was, by the way, I still use this thing, right? It's been, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's been over a decade. I still use this thing. Who knows where all those little iPods are? They're in landfill someplace, but I still have mine. <laughs> so my little MP3 player. I think that was the brand, like MP3. I think that's all, that's all the device said, like MP3 player. Um, yep. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Awesome. Um, we, we've talked all over the place about some super <laughs> awesome stuff. Is there, is there anything we haven't touched on that you, you really want to dig into? Um, I, no. So I, I love that we've, we've talked about all kinds of stuff. Um, I just want to say, you know, and, and as you're building this podcast and you're building this audience, obviously you're going to be looking for people who are interested in leadership topics. And I would just leave people with this. Like, don't forget that you were put here to create something that represents you. That's the thing you're supposed to birth into the, the world. And, you know, take the time to do the work to get really good at that thing. Take the time to figure out what it is and then put in the work and respect the craft, right? And, 
and deliver something into the world that, that reflects who you are, reflects your greatness, reflects your uniqueness. Um, and at a, at a time in, in the marketplace where there's so much room for creativity and uniqueness, there is also this, this subculture of, of copycatting, right? So they, they, none of us was put here to be a copycat. We were all put here to, to birth something awesome into the world. And then also leverage, I'm not leverage, um, support and develop the people beneath you. You know, develop their, their professional growth, their personal growth, and, and make sure that your work and your culture reflects your values. And I mean, if, if leaders did those few things, I think, I think we'd all be in a better place. Definitely. I 100% agree with you. And those are extremely, extremely wise words. So Corey, if anyone's trying to get a hold of you, what are the best ways they can go about doing that and throw in as many plugs as you want? <laughs> oh, you, you think I know my Facebook? Uh, <laughs> you think I can spew that off right now? I can't. Um, so, I mean, so I, I can, but that's just me. <laughs> I, I know, right? I, sh I should have that. Um, but I don't. But I am on, I am on Facebook. Um, my page is Corey Willis. That's C-O-R-I. And then Willis, W-I-L-L-I-S. Uh, you can also find me on CoreyWillis.com, C-O-R-I-W-I-L-L-I-S.com. And usually I have some kind of a free resource on there. I don't know when this podcast is going to go, um, is going to be live, but I usually have some free, free resource on there um, to get people started, to get people thinking about you know, how they can use sort of biblical teachings and training, some of them quite technical and sort of down to the numbers and things like that. Others of them sort of higher level trainings that, that people can, can use to start thinking about how can I, one, identify my gifts, how can I identify my values and build my life and business around those things. Awesome. That's fantastic. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time today, Corey. Yeah, this was, this was a lot of fun. Thank you, Cody. No problem. I'm, I'm happy that, that you had a lot of fun because I like to have a lot of fun. <laughs> Yeah, I'm excited about what you're building here. Like, I'm, I'm really looking forward to where you're going to go with this and what kind of guests you're going to, you know, bring on and how the audience is going to embrace you because I, I, I think this is going to be awesome. Like, I, I like your energy. I like, I like what you're trying to do in the world with this podcast, right? And I, I think you will be richly rewarded for it. And I, and I, I think you'll find your voice. And I think I, I, I have nothing but optimism. Um, I look at what you're building here. So I think it's going to be really great. Thank you. I really appreciate that. And, and I hope people agree. I, I mean, I'm convinced they'll agree, but you know, I could be full of myself, but <laughs> no, I, no I, I think I'm, you're on the right track. I'm super excited to see what happens and I'm super excited for the future because there's, there's a lot of darkness in the world right now. And there's, there's a lot of things that are going to really haywire. And I want to show the things that are going right. I want people to see how things can go right. I want people to get the information they need so that they can make those things actually happen. Yeah. And I, I, I think collectively, um, both as leaders and leaders of leaders, we have to all do our part to create a new movement of leaders who are moving us in the right direction, right? Who are, who are leading from the heart. Um, because we collectively have the power to turn things around, to create a marketplace that we all like to participate in. Um, so I love that. To, to create a world that we're happy to be a part of. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I love that. exactly. And 
for a lot of people right now, we're, we're not in a world that we're happy to be a part of. And I am happy to be in the world that we're a part of. I am. I'm truly happy because there's so much amazing things happening. I just don't think that they're seen. And I think yeah. we just need to see it, to, to know it's there, to, mm-hmm. to, to be able to believe that these things are possible. And once we get that, I think the world's going to change for the better. I agree. I agree. So, so today we've done our little part and we'll keep doing our little parts tomorrow. And hopefully people will, you know, join your community, join my community. Hopefully you and I can work together on something going forward. And oh, I'd love that. Definitely. Just, just do our part, you know, that's all. Yeah, we can definitely. Do. Exactly. Yeah. That's what it's about. Every little part matters. No, no matter how big, no matter how small you, you think something is, it all plays a bigger role. If you, utilize your gifts the way you're supposed to if you live into the season that you're supposed to if you you know if you go for the things that you know you can do well right right i love that i i I, to me that sounds like the end that sounds like (laughs) (laughs) that is the end of the episode and corey corey thank you so much i really i really do appreciate it I I do too. I, I, I love this. So thank you. All right. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Leadership Guide. Please make sure to go on your favorite player of choice and there rate the show, then subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Then if you truly want to be a legendary leader, share this episode with someone that you know will be impacted. Because legendary leaders fuel not only themselves, but others as well to their heroic potential. If you want to unlock your heroic potential faster, then you'll want to join the League of Legendary Leaders, an association of leaders who are dedicated to unlocking their heroic potential, unlocking the heroic potential of others, and where legendary leaders are born. The League of Legendary Leaders also has a goal to raise $100,000 monthly to support nonprofits that are actively undertaking causes to impact the future in areas including homelessness, neurodiversity, character strength, positive psychological research, and more. Seize the call now. Go to www.theleadership.guide and click Get Free Guidance Now to propel you on your journey to legendary leadership. I'm your host, Cody Dakota, and I'm honored to have spent this time with you today. My final message for you, and listen closely, it's time. Wake up your heroic potential. Let go of your fears and anxieties, and let's discover what is possible on your journey to become a legendary leader. Emerge and become who you were meant to be. Thank you.